Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. You welcome up Pastor Jurgen. You want to turn to your name and say, he's all jacked up on Mountain Dew. I'm going to scissor kick you in the head, Grandpa. I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. How wonderful. Can we, one more time, I know we've done it twice already, but just welcome Lisa and Michael Hundley. It's Lisa's official first day. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule, Michael, to, uh, to be with us today. Oh, what is going on? weird I, there's a filter vibrating up what on earth is that it's the craziest thing yeah um beautiful Lori Mead thank you for being here sweetheart she just started a new job and uh <coughs> reprioritizes her world to make sure she's here in uh staff meeting so we're just so grateful for you sweetheart so fantastic well uh we're going into an extraordinary weekend pastor Mike Connell Uh, you know, we, we've had him coming, gosh, it's got to be, baby, would it be, would it be 10 years? Um, yeah, I think last Thursday Yeah, so for 10 years. And I love it. I love it because there's a little part of me that still has that German where people, everyone advised against getting Mike Connell. And uh, I just pushed send and uh, got him to come. And the truth is, is that church and leadership is messy. There's, there's no other way around it. it. It is just, it is messy. It is, you know, I feel sorry for, uh, in fact, I've got to tell you, uh, one of my favorite gifts in the church is administrations. In Corinthians 12, 28, it says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, Third, the working of miracles. Fourth, gifts of healings. Five was administrations. Six is helps. And then seven is, uh, yeah, my, um, I'm not even sure if it's tongues. It's like, it's like but, but just under healings and miracles is administrations and helps. And uh, sometimes we, we're all about the healings and the miracles and we forget just how powerful administrations are. And helps is so I thank God for those people because in the messiness they keep bringing order, only to have us mess it up again. I always feel sorry for uh, Jesse and Rob and the team and Caitlin and Deshawn in the and uh, and Ezra in the finance department because there's always a new project or something new. We're, we're going to try and get into the college there, but now it looks like we're going to be in the school and so we're going to have to buy a whole bunch of you know, equipment and, and there's always, you know, there's always shifting goalposts and things moving around. And so never be afraid of, of the fact that leadership is messy. Never be afraid of the fact that the kingdom is actually quite messy and uh, it's messy here so that it's all in order up there. But uh, we just got to learn how to, how to be good with mess. Amen. Amen. I want to read two scriptures to you this morning. Uh, in fact, I, I gave the, 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 the desk a scripture. Can I do that one second? Can we do this one first? 
Come with me to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15, we're going to read just from verse 5 to 11. And I know I gave you the NLT for the second scripture, but can we do this one in the New King James only because I haven't read it in the NLT? And it might just come out and say something I don't want it to say. So Genesis 15, verse 5, Genesis 15, verse 5, says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven. This is God speaking to Abraham. God speaking to Abraham. He says, Look now toward heaven and <clears throat> count the stars if you're able. Now remember, Abraham's just been piping off about, you know, God, you, you look, you haven't given me a son. You promised you'd give me a son. Look, it still hasn't happened. And so God says, Get out of your tent. Get out from under that ceiling. And I want you to look up into the, the expanse of the sky. You know, stop looking at limited and begin to look up into the unlimited. God always gets us to look up. It's so easy to look down or look at the ceiling that's temporarily over us. And he says, look up, count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. God accounted it to him for righteousness because he believed what God said. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the, the Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. So he doesn't just say, I'm going to give you a boy. He says, I'm going to give you a boy and I'm going to give you this land. And he says, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So God said to Abraham, bring me a three-year-old heifer, three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Then he brought these to him and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. Now verse 11 is very important. When the vultures came down on the campuses, uh, cam carcasses, campuses, it might be a prophetic word right there. When the vultures come down on our campuses, when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham and behold, a horror and a great darkness fell upon him. And then God walks in between the, the, the sacrifice. And as he walks in between the sacrifice, the Lord makes, makes a covenant with Abraham. The reason he put Abraham into, into a sleep is because God wanted to fulfill the covenant. And if God would have had Abraham participate in the covenant, then it would have rested on, uh, it chains only as strong as its weakest link. It would have rested on Abraham's strength and ability to keep his side of the, the bargain. So God just takes him out. That's what God did on the cross. What God did on the cross was he made a covenant with man. So he, he came down and became a man who lived a perfect life, who made a covenant. Jesus made a covenant on behalf of man with God so that it could be fulfilled so that you and I, no matter how much we jack up, Jesus has established a covenant before God that he will forgive our sins and remember them no more, that he gives us everlasting life, that his grace is towards us. So it's just amazing. All right, so now come with me to uh, Psalm 60. Psalm 60, verse 7 in the, new, in the NLT. It goes like this. It says, Gilead is mine and Manasseh too. Ephraim, my helmet, will produce my warriors. You might want to underline that. Ephraim, my helmet, will produce my warriors. Judah is my scepter, and Judah my scepter, sorry, will produce my kings. Judah my scepter will produce my kings. In, in church life and all the way through the Bible, you'll find that there are actually three revelations of God. There are three revelations of God in any, any person's life. The first one is that God will always reveal himself to. 
So God reveals himself to Abraham and says, Abraham, Abraham, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it comes to Jacob, he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac. God always reveals himself to. He comes to Gideon and he reveals himself to. So, so part of church life, we should be, people should be regularly having an, an encounter with God, that God is revealing himself to me. Wow, I had no idea that God is good. As we heard this morning from Pastor David, that his mercy endureth forever. God reveals himself too. Once, once God reveals himself to you, you need to understand that God is not happy with just you having knowledge of God. Once God reveals himself too, the next thing that God does is he reveals himself with. He reveals himself with. He says to, to Moses, he says, behold, I'm going down to Pharaoh and I'm going to command him to let my people go and you're coming with me. I'm going to be with you and I will make you as God to Pharaoh. So God, so God began revealing himself to, but then he reveals himself with. God says to Gideon, Gideon, you're going to rise up and against the Midianites and you will defeat them as one man because I, the Lord, am with you. Uh, to Isaiah, Isaiah spoke to the children of Israel and he said, uh, the Lord is with you. I will be with you when you pass through the waters and you will not be drowned. I'll be with you when you go through the flames. You will not be burned for I, the Lord, am with you. So God says, I'll be with you coming out of Egypt. I'll be with you in the wilderness. I'll be with you when I go into the promised land. In fact, God had to say because of the, the hard hearts and the stubbornness and and uh, the unwillingness to change in the wilderness, the unwillingness to trust God in the wilderness. God had to say to, uh, to Moses, he says, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to send my angel, but I will not, no longer be in the midst of you. And, and Moses was like, well, unless your presence goes, we're not going up. We're just going to camp here. We're going to protest until your presence comes back. And he says, listen, if I come into your, pres if I come into your midst right now, I'll consume everybody because they're all flipping jack up on Mountain Dew. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, so Abraham says, what do I do? And he says, well, get them to take off their golden, they just made the golden calf and everything. And so, so they, they go into deep repentance because they realize God is sending an angel, but he's not with them. So God, God wants to, to reveal to you, and I'm not sure where you're at on this journey, uh, but at some point in C3 Church, you're going you're gonna to get a revelation of God, that God's going to reveal himself to you. Power comes when you understand that God is with you, that God is with you. Probably, probably what where you know the, that that game where you um you know it's a trust game, it's a trust exercise. Close your eyes and fall back. I'll catch you. Oh, I didn't mean just now. I was talking. You know, and, and uh, uh, you know that for me, that's that's God. I, I I find that I can just rest in the fact that God is with me. I know that God is with me. I know that when we got on the plane coming from Australia to to San Diego, that God was with us. That we weren't leaving him in, in you know, Australia was kind of waving with tears in his eyes and good luck. You know, he's a little rabbit's foot. Didn't help the rabbit, but maybe it can help you. And, uh, you know, he, he was with us on the plane. He was with us when we landed. He was with us when we started in the Marriott. You know, uh, I ignored him with Adobe Bluffs, but the rest, you know, was a pretty decent journey. God has been with us the whole way. And so I, I love the fact that, that God is with us. And so, so... Uh, over, over thanksgiving, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. One of the most powerful things that, that you can ever experience is knowing that God is with you. That God is with you. That God is with you. When you know that God is with you, you are an invincible force. When you know that God is with you, you are unstoppable. To know that, that God hasn't just revealed himself to you, but God has revealed himself with you. 
But if you read the scriptures, you will find that God does not limit it there. God, God doesn't just reveal himself to and then reveal himself with. The third one is that God reveals himself in. The Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is working in us to fulfill his good pleasure. God's, God's filled, filled us with his spirit. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it talks about how God says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. It's a whole nother, <clears throat> it's a whole nother realm to know that God is in you, that God is in you. So they're, they're the three revelations of God and uh, <clears throat> that will unfold in your life. And I'm not sure where you're at in the journey, but uh, don't ever just settle for, for just you know, coming into C3 and having a revelation of God. 90% really of what we do on a Sunday is revealing God to people, revealing God to people. We talk about God's amazing attributes and his strengths and his love and his grace, his mercy, his loving kindness, his character. And, and, and the goal is that you are so smitten uh, by, by what you hear about God revealing himself to you that you're like, man, I want God to, to be with me. So a lot of churches want, you know, a visitation of God, and God is happy to visit with y'all. He's just going, come visit, visit with y'all. You know, it was just kind of a southern thing. But God, God is actually not in, not real. I mean, He'll do it, but His desire is not a visit. His desire is a dwelling. I will dwell in them and walk among them. God, God doesn't want to just, God doesn't want to just visit with you for the afternoon or. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, great. We're going, we're going to be visiting with the Lord on Sunday. We're going to live like the devil Monday to Saturday, but we're going to visit the Lord on Sunday. No, no, he, 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 want, he wants to know, will you take me home with you? Will you take me to work with you? <clears throat> will you take me to the gym? Will you take me? Will you, will you, will you, can, I, can I walk with you? So, <clears throat> so they're the revelation. Our goal is to you know, get people hungry and uh, you know, excited about, about God. So... This scripture here is a powerful scripture in Psalm 60, verse 7. And for the first time, the NLT trumps the New King James. So I, I like it. So if we look at it again, Gilead is mine, Manasseh too. And then he says this, he says, Ephraim, my helmet, will produce my warriors. And Judah, my scepter, will produce my kings. The name Ephraim, Ephraim is the second son of Joseph. Joseph has two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Ephraim's the younger. Um, Ephraim is, is named Ephraim. Basically, it means fruitful in a foreign land or literally fruitful in a strange land. And so here God says, what I wear on my head, the helmet that I wear on my head. The reason you wear a helmet is for protection. So God says the protective covering that I clothe my mind with is Ephraim. The, the thing that I, that I cover over my head that produces warriors is Ephraim. Ephraim is, I'm going to be fruitful in a foreign land. I'm going to be fruitful in a strange land. So I felt the Lord begin to say to me that unless you believe that you're going to be fruitful in a foreign land, Unless you believe that, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never war. You, you'll never produce warrior. So, so you, you've, got to, you've got to understand if God has called you to the unfamiliar, if God has called you to take a step to do the internship program, if God has called you 
you know, to take a pay cut and, you know, come and serve in the church where you could be making three times in the marketplace. If, if God has called you to leave Seattle, Washington or Tacoma and come down and no salary and come and be down here and, and who knows what the next, and it's all strange and it's all foreign. And you, you've, you've got to put Ephraim on as your helmet and understand that, that this is a revelation that Joseph had who was sold into slavery, who then as a slave was faithful in his, in his master's house only to find that his, his master's wife was so broken, so desperate. Potiphar would come in with the lipstick on his collar. She knew he was being unfaithful. She has a slave and she thinks, well, I should be able to just help myself. You're a slave. And he refuses to sleep with her and to save her life. When she says, he tried to rape me, he knew if he spoke up, she would have perished. So he kept his lips shut because he felt so so much compassion for her. So now he goes to prison. Now he's in a prison, rotting in a prison cell with rats and lice and, you know, sewerage everywhere and only to find that he is faithful in the prison then he's elevated to Pharaoh's right hand and when he gets to Pharaoh's right hand he says and he gets married he says I'm going to have a son and I call him Ephraim because God can make me fruitful even in a foreign land even in a strange land even in even in the strangest journey well, when I was asking, why, God, did you let my brothers do this? Why, God, did you, did you do this? I was faithful to you and now I'm in a prison. Why, God? Why? When I was asking why, when I was questioning why, when I was wondering why I'm here, when I didn't know where I was, I was in a strange land. I'm in Egypt. They looked down upon Jewish people. They looked down upon the Hebrews. Here I'm a foreigner. Here there's racism. And yet I've become fruitful in a foreign land. You've got to put that on. You've got to know. You've got to actually put onto your your helmet you've got to put onto your mind I'm going to be fruitful in a foreign land because let me tell you that the the, the 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 dynamic of the kingdom for the kingdom to advance in your life and in my life it's stepping into the unknown now I have to communicate vision and with vision I need to communicate certainty but I need you to understand before it becomes a certainty out of my mouth it, it began as an uncertainty in my spirit I felt, the, I felt a whisper, I felt an unction, I felt a pushing of God to step into territory we haven't taken or to, to, to launch out and to do something and I'm unsure and I'm uncertain. So we, so we buy Descanso. We weren't looking at Descanso. We weren't looking at 78. We weren't looking up there. We were looking east. East is on our ledger, but I've got to understand that a man's, plan, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so, so I've got to be obedient to God. And this is the first building that we've bought that I don't have the money for. Every other, every other building we've, we've had, we've, we've had the money. So this is the one where God is saying, you know, where's your faith? Is your faith in your bank account? Is your faith in the, the fact that you've got enough money to do this? Have you, have you so reduced my power? When you came here, did you have money in the bank account? When you came here, did you have security when you came here? But you've got to clothe yourself with a mindset called Ephraim, saying I'm going to be fruitful in what is strange on what is unfamiliar, what is foreign to me. 90% of your growth is dependent upon you stepping into foreign. 90% of your growth is you stepping into what is unfamiliar. If you just do what you've always done, if you live close to the shore, there are no fish. Jesus says, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Do you know how easy it would have been for Jesus to say, hey, 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 come on, don't, don't, don't strain yourself. Stay here, fish, and have the fish and jump into the boat. He could have got the fish to come and jump into the boat. But he didn't because he, he, what was more important than the catch of fish, they left them anyway because they realized it wasn't about the fish. 
The Bible says they left all and followed him. It wasn't about the fish. It was about the lesson. Launch out into the deep. Master, we've toiled all night, caught nothing. Launch out into the deep. The shallow doesn't have the miraculous catch. I've got a miraculous catch, but I ain't going to bring it into your shallow. I'm not going to bring it into your comfort. I'm not going to bring it into your familiar. I'm not going to bring it into, no, 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 no. We, we, we don't want to break out of our, we have our traditions and we break out. Well, God is not going to bring the miraculous catch into your traditions. You've got to be willing to, to start new traditions. You've got to be willing to launch out. You've got to be willing to go to the uncomfortable. You've got to be willing to launch out into what is foreign, what is strange, what is deep. Man, we toiled all night and we caught nothing. But if you can put on the mind of of Ephraim, if you can put on the mind that I'm going to be fruitful in a foreign land, you'll find that it'll begin to produce warrior on the inside of you. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, the, the, the truth is, when I look back, I think that, uh, that we've always kind of had that. I remember when uh, a particular businessman who was pretty influential and in, in our lives, but was privy to some of the politics around where they were going to send Jürgen and Leanne. Um, no offense, San Diego wasn't on our, on our list. I'd never been to San Diego. If I would have seen you, I would have come here. This would have been top of my list, but I hadn't seen you. So for the first time, we were around family again, and so I wanted to go to the Gold Coast. But, you know, there was, what should we do with Jürgen and Leanne? And so it ended up being San Diego. And I remember this businessman pulled me aside, and he said, you know, how cruel. How cruel that they would send such a young family you know, overseas, away from, from everything. And, uh, you know, into, into somewhere that was, you know, that was foreign. But I knew, uh, even though everything was strange, driving on the other side of the road and freeways, I'm trying to do 65 and I'm getting run off the freeway, realising everyone does 85. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then I remember telling someone I was lost and they said, where are you? And I said, uh, uh, via Della Valley. They're like, no idea. I'm like, I think it's Solana Beach. It's like the main road there. What's it called? Via Della Valley. They're like, oh, Via Della Valle. No, 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 no. Via <laughs> Della Valley. And uh, no, no, double L is a, is a Y, Pastor. It is. And, and so everything was so strange for us. I remember... Uh, the, the, you know, the first Thanksgiving that we had, you know, the week before Thanksgiving, we had 150 people. And I thought, man, we're doing pretty good. Then Thanksgiving, we had 30. And I remember Leanne going, what did you preach last week? I'm like, I don't know, but it was crap, obviously. <laughs> so I'm thinking, that's it, we're done. It's over. It's over. I had no idea that everyone takes off and nobody comes to church on Thanksgiving Sunday. And so I'm thinking, man, what did I preach? It must have been terrible. Man, I must have crossed the line. What was it? Uh, you know, I think when I, when I first got saved, you know, God says, I want you to go to Bible college. There's one that's familiar, and then there's one in an area that's not familiar. I want you to go up to, to Castle Hill, Borkham Hills, to this little church back then called Hills Christian Life Center before they became Hillsong Church. And so I, I, I didn't know who Pastor Brian was. I didn't know anything about it. But God says, no, no, they're going to be an incredibly great church. You can't see it yet. But I need you to go there. And but why would I go there, God? The the tuition there is double what it is here. The living expenses is double what it is here. Plus, here I can live at home. And here, the, the minister of the church says, when I graduate college, they will guarantee me a youth pastor position. Here, there's no guarantee. 
and God says, I need you to put on Ephraim as a helmet that you're going to be fruitful in a foreign land. You're going to be fruitful in what is strange. There's, there's just something, you know, when, you, when I first got prayed for to speak in tongues, I don't even know what I'm saying. Exactly, because you've got to break that thing that you, can, you feel that you can only be fruitful in what is familiar. Your f- greatest fruitfulness is in a foreign land. Your greatest fruitfulness is in what is strange, what is foreign for you. Uh, you know, uh, I... Where, where we're going, where we're going, we haven't been before. And you need to understand, Jesus doesn't say, follow the map. He said, follow me. The reason he said, follow me, is because he said, I am the way. He didn't say, hey, and yokes, here's a map showing you the way. We, we want a map. We, we, want, a, we want a Google Maps. How, how do I get from here to and Jesus like I ain't giving you no Google Maps follow me I am the way the truth and the life so following Jesus Christ having Jesus at the center of your life that's why the greatest thing I can do I don't worry about the future I don't worry about the next step I don't worry and you know but I have to answer questions I have to answer questions to the board to the banks to you know the team, what are we doing? How are you going to, you know, and I don't know how, but all I know is if in the morning, if the first thing I do is I get up and I just make sure that I'm with him, if I'm following him, the Bible says, Jesus having risen a long while before daylight, departed to a solitary place. You'll find that quite often Jesus gets up and moves and, uh, and you just think, oh, he's, he's, he's here. Where the heck you going? And uh, he got, because he's always moving, you know. You're moving across my heart. He doesn't just move across your heart. He moves across your yard. He moves across the county. He moves across. And so you you always got to be following him. But if you follow Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you'll never get lost. The sheep that get lost are the sheep that stop following the shepherd. If you keep following the shepherd, you'll never be lost. You'll never be lost. You follow Jesus. You don't need a map when you got Jesus. You You only need maps when you ain't got Jesus. And so we follow, we follow Jesus Christ. So you have to believe. Now watch this. You have to believe that you're going to be fruitful. So Jesus in John 15 says, You didn't choose me, I chose you. And I chose you that you may go and bear much fruit. In fact, Jesus says, By this the Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you just need to understand, you just need to resolve today, God has called you to be fruitful. God has called you to be fruitful. What does fruitful mean? Fruitful means that you flourish. If you look at, a, if you look at an apple tree and it's got one or two apples and they're kind of, you know, shriveled and you think, oh man, there's something wrong with the, the, the root system. And, and so we would go in and we would try and figure out what's wrong with the root system. I mean, do we need to fertilize this thing? Because, you know, it's not producing what it ought to. But you, if you find that if you meet someone who's the owner of an orchard and they walk out and there's just, hundreds of shiny red apples hanging on the tree. He's got his chest out. That's how God feels about you. God doesn't want, well, I want this tree to flourish, but I, I, I kind of revel in that skinny little tree producing nothing. God wants you to flourish. God wants your life to flourish. Now, listen, listen to me. I wasn't going to share this with you. But uh, uh, God gave me a word even just for, for our business guys and just thinking of pathfinders and the future and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, uh, what is excess? What is excess? And I said, oh, excess is, uh, you know, where you got, you know, too much. And he goes, no. I said, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And I look up the dictionary. He goes, no. He goes, what is excess? I said, well, excess is, you know, where you got, you know, 
too much stuff. And he goes, no. I said, oh, what is it? He says, excess is where the blessing of God on your life exceeds the vision of God on your life. Excess is where the blessing of God is greater than the vision of God in your life. If your vision is a million-dollar vision and you make $3 million, then you've got what you would say is, well, I've got $2 million of excess. Man, what do I do? It's, 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 the, it's the fact that the, the uh, sowers have overtaken the reapers. The Bible says that the sowers shall overtake the reapers. In other words... God, God wants to so bless you that your vision is constantly having to be stretched. You've got to constantly be thinking bigger. You've got to constantly be expanding. You only live, there's only excess in your life if your, your, the blessing of God is greater than the vision. That's why in the house of God, we need you to get a bigger vision than just your little life. A bigger vision than just making the rent. If I can just make the rent, Pastor. If I can just put gas in my car, Pastor. If I can just make my, my, you know, my, my fees, Pastor. If I can just pay for my uh, internship, Pastor. If I can just you know, fulfill my... Why, why are you limiting God? Excess is when the blessing of God exceeds the vision of God. Keep increasing your vision. Keep increasing your vision. That way, as you f- flow in the blessing of God, you'll find that there's always more. But here's the great problem. If you don't put Ephraim as a, on as a helmet, if you don't put on that I'm going to be fruitful in a foreign land. In a foreign land means, man, I've never worked you know, this job before. Man, I've never been asked to lead this team before. That's, that's how the kingdom develops. But you've got to go in there saying, you know what, even though I don't understand, even though this is strange, even though this is foreign, I'm going to be fruitful in a foreign land. I'm going to be fruitful in an area where I've never been because God has revealed himself to me. God is revealing himself that he is with me. And I believe that God is operating in me to fulfill his good pleasure and his good purpose in my life. And I'm going to be fruitful and something that I don't understand, and something that I don't yet see, and something I don't yet comprehend. And as soon as you do that, what will happen is you will not settle for mediocrity. People settle for mediocrity, and people settle for, for just far less than what God had for them if you don't put Ephraim as, uh, on as a helmet. For God to say, Ephraim is my helmet producing my warriors. See, this is what I know. God has not called us here to San Diego to just do average. He hasn't called us to, to San Diego just to blend with all the other churches. He hasn't called us here to just be vanilla. He hasn't called us here to be neutral. He's actually called us here to to impact a city. He's called us here to to raise up ministers of the gospel, powerhouse preachers, people that know how to cast out a demon, people know how to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, people that know how to bring an anointing into a room to break chains and remove burdens. So because... Because of that, so when when it's less than that, something is agitated in me because the Bible says Ephraim is my helmet. Fruitful in a foreign land is the helmet that I wear on my head, but it produces warriors because when I don't see in front of me what God has revealed to me, I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. We will not accept mediocrity. We will not accept plain vanilla. We will not accept just living under what God has called us to rule over. And so you'll begin to find it creates a warrior spirit on the inside of you. But if you don't wear Ephraim as a helmet, if you don't believe I'm going to be fruitful in a foreign land, The devil is a liar. He does not want you to believe that you're fruitful. 
He doesn't want you to believe that you're free. He wants you to believe that, well, you know, it's God's will for others to be fruitful, but not you. You're too jacked up. You're too, no, no. Every tree, every tree that God plants, he's looking for fruit. God's will for your life is for you to be fruitful, fruitful in your marriage, fruitful in your family, fruitful in your finance, fruitful in your ministry, every area. God wants you just to be bearing fruit. In fact, Jesus says nothing gives the Father more glory or literally more delight than seeing you flourish. But the devil's a liar. He wants you to somehow believe that having no fruit on the trees and no uh, on the branches and no leaves out there, that somehow poverty and struggle, you know, that, that pleases God because now you're dependent upon God. If that would have been the case, Jesus would have preached that. That's right. But Jesus didn't. He says, what brings the Father glory, look at it up, John 15, 8. He says, what brings the Father glory is that you bear much fruit, that you bear much fruit. So you've got to put on as a mindset, I will be fruitful in a foreign land. I will be fruitful in a foreign land. Can you look after the parking tent? Man, I've never done the parking tent. I love Tom Foster. We hired Tom Foster to be our... To be our uh, to be our military pastor, and, uh, and definitely there's a whole need there. To, to, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what we want to do in the city to really minister to, to those men and women who are putting on the uniform to serve us um, and protect us, our, our liberties. So we, but, that's what, but when he came in, there was a hole here and there was a deficit there and this was broken over here and that was in shambles over there. And so we're like, hey, Tom, we know you're the new cab off the rank. Could you look after this and could you take that and could you take this? And I love Tom. He just like, whatever you want, Captain. And he just put on the, the, the helmet. Ephraim, I will be fruitful in a foreign land. And he's put this together and put that together. So we were talking, we were talking a couple of weeks ago. We're like, hey, well, let's, let's, move, let's move Tom out now and start really impacting. And they're like, oh, you can't do that. I'm like, why can't you do that? Oh, the whole team feels, feels pastored. Like he, he pastors that team. <laughs> what? And uh, the guy's just killing it. What is it? That's Ephraim. He's fruitful in a foreign land. He's fruitful in an area that he's never done before. You've got to put that helmet on. And it'll produce a warrior in your warrior spirit. We, we talk about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare for me is whenever the devil, try, and he will press you. He'll say, I know God's got this, but would you accept this? Would you settle for this? Remember when, when, uh, when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, nah. So judgment. Let my people go, nah. Judgment. Third time, let my people go, nah. Judgment. Finally, Pharaoh says, all right, all right, all right. I'll just let the men go. You can have all the men, but the women and the children and the livestock are mine. And most are like, no deal. Uh-uh. Judgment. This is all right, all right, all right. He goes, you can, you can take the, 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 the men and the women, but the children and livestock are mine. And he says, no deal. Judgment. And it was amazing because Moses was being tested. What would you settle for? What would you settle for? Moses could have gone back, God, I did my best. Did my best. I hate not letting the, the kids go, but letting mum and dad. And then after, the, after he says, all right, I'll let the mums, dads, and the kids go, but not the livestock. The livestock and the cattle were, were that's Egyptian livestock, Egyptian cattle. He goes, they're, they're mine. You t-. And they go, uh-uh, we ain't, we ain't going out with nothing to sacrifice. We ain't going to church without an offering. We ain't going to go into the presence of God and not bring a sacrifice and an offering. No deal, devil. No deal. Moses could have, if he was a lesser of a leader, said, hey, pff, did the best I could, God. You should be happy. He's at least letting the people go. But Moses is like, no deal. Why? Because he knows I'm going to be fruitful in a foreign land. Yes. He's, he's, he's been a, a shepherd for 40 years, and now he's got to walk under the marble floors of the most powerful palace 
in all of Egypt and command the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh, let my people go. This is, this is foreign. But he knows that he's clothed on his head. He's wearing Ephraim as his helmet. I will be fruitful in a foreign land. And I ain't settled for anything less. And so warfare, that's what the, the, the ten judgments were, was spiritual warfare. If you don't wear this thing, and the devil does not want you to wear Ephraim as your helmet, you'll settle for far less. You'll marry less than God's best. You'll tolerate for less than God's best. You'll, you'll, you'll just live to just to pay your bills. And no, no, that's not God's will for your life. You've got to put on Ephraim as a helmet. I'm out of time. I didn't even get to the second half. The second half is, and Judah, my scepter, shall produce my kings. Judah. Does anyone know what Judah means? Praise. So watch this. Praise is my scepter. What is a scepter? A scepter is a symbol of what the king uses to rule. Scepter is what a king uses to rule. Just skipping back, sorry. The reason we read that first scripture, where where uh, Abraham was walk, Abraham brought the heifer, the the goat, the turtle doves, and put them down. And then the Bible says the vultures came down to consume, because God asked him to bring that, because God was making a covenant. You cannot make a covenant without blood. So God says, I'm going to make a covenant, but the vultures came down. Abraham had to drive the vultures away. The vultures were coming down to consume the sacrifice that Abraham had made. Because it's in your sacrifices where the sanctity and the sacredness of God's promises are revealed. Don't let, don't let the vultures steal your sacrifice. Don't let the vultures come down and consume that sacrificial heart. I'd love to tell you now, you know, that I'm the senior pastor, that, hey, I remember when I made a sacrifice for the kingdom. It was back in 1988. You know, the, the truth is what, what God is drawn to is sacrifice. God, what God is always drawn to sacrifice. Already looking ahead at Desconso, I know there's going to be some sacrifice, some pain in there. But I know that, that God always establishes his covenant in the era of sacrifice. But the vultures want to come down. They want to consume the sacrifice. Maybe there are sacrifices and there's no one else around with Abraham here. There's no one else around. And it's amazing that the devil will say, no one even saw your sacrifice. You know, everybody had left and the door was open. You stayed behind and you armed the, the alarm and you locked up and you turned off all the lights and no one even said that. You need to understand no man may have seen it, but God sees it. And you need to understand no one was around. In fact, God put Abraham into a sleep. And then he came down and he made a covenant saying, I'm going to give you a son and I'm going to give you this land. And your descendants are going to be you know, as numerous as the stars on the seashore. And then he prophesied about Egypt. And he says, but after 400 years, I'll bring them out and then I'll punish them. But I can't bring them into the land of Canaan right now because the judgment against the, the sin of the Amorites isn't yet fulfilled. And so he, he, he's prophesying all this stuff while Abraham is sleeping. But the vultures wanted to come down and consume the sacrifice that Abraham had made. Don't let, the, don't let the devil, don't let the vultures steal the sacrifices that you've made. Men may not see it. Men may not even recognize it. Men may not praise it. But God sees it. And it's in the midst of your sacrifice that God re releases his promises over our lives. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. I just thank you for such an extraordinary team. And again, just your word. There's, oh, there's always too much in your word for the time that we have together. But Father, today we put on, we clothe our minds with Ephraim. We put Ephraim, I will be fruitful in a foreign land. And it will produce warriors. It produces your warriors. Father, I want to be known 
as a warrior in the army of God. I want you to be able to look and see that I'm a warrior that can take that mountain or take that stronghold or take that hill for you, Father God, because I wear Ephraim on my, helm, on my head as a helmet that I will be fruitful in a foreign land. When you sent us to San Diego, we didn't even realize, but we were wearing a helmet called Ephraim that we're going to be fruitful even here in a foreign land where we didn't know anybody. We didn't know who was going to come or how it was going to happen or how. We just knew that with God, God, you want us to bear fruit, that we'll be fruitful in a foreign land. That's an anointing that's on this house. And Father, I release that as a word over these people. Father, let, let not one of these people, not one that's sitting here today, live in mediocrity or below that just your, your best for their life. Let them say, no, nah, I'm going to live in God's bless. I'm going to enjoy abundance. I'm going to enjoy overflow. I won't even have excess because every time God's blessing comes, I'm going to increase my vision to make sure that I've already got a plan and a purpose to, to put that excess, to put what looks like excess. It's not excess. It's just overflow. It's just abundance. It's just pressed down, shaken together, running over so that I can be blessed to be a blessing to others. Father, we want to be a blessing to, to San Diego, to the entire county, and then a blessing to the United States, and then a blessing all around the world. So, Father, we thank you and we pr praise you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 